anyway. Of course, it is Wednesday, it is the midweek. Is that the guitar? Okay, sorry, excuse the guitar. Next slide, please. Back in 2009, I was at Coward Chapel of North Plainfield and met Steve Dickerson, who is Tom Dickerson's son. And uh, we started talking about recording. I've been recording music for since 1989 and released several albums. And I wanted to do a, an album of songs that were scriptures set to music. And so, uh, he agreed to be part of the project, so we started recording Before the Throne in North Plainfield. And one song that we, uh, I wanted to record is a song called I Lift Up My Soul, based off of Psalms 25. And the story behind the song was back in April of 2006, I was trying to help a friend out, but how many know you can't help a friend who doesn't want to be helped. I had to learn the hard way, apparently. This friend's life was unraveling and falling apart, and he was staying with me at the time, and I tried everything I could to help this person, but this, at this time, the person didn't want any help, and I felt frustrated, confused, angry, and upset. And so, I walked out of my apartment into the stairwell of my apartment. I lived on the ninth floor in an apartment complex in downtown Indianapolis. And I took my Bible and my guitar with me to sat in the stairwell. And I have a one-year Bible, which goes to the Bible in a year. And I happen to open up for that day's reading in April. And the one-year Bible, you get a little bit of the Old Testament, a New Testament, a Psalm, and Proverbs. And the psalm for that day was Psalm 25. And it, it leaped right out at me. How many of you have ever read the Word of God and it literally jumps at you? Like it's speaking to your heart, like you know that is the word for the day for you alone, okay? So as I'm reading, the words of the psalm are just jumping at me. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. I put my trust in you alone. And then I read the rest of the verses. Show me the path that I should walk, the right road for me to follow. By your truth, lead and guide me, for you are the one who saves me. And at that moment, I needed that, because at that moment in time with my friend in the apartment, I didn't know where to go, what to do, what was going on. I felt completely lost. And then the next verse, show me uh, your unfailing love, uh, um, Remember your unfailing love that you showed in ages past. By your truth, lead and guide me, for you are the one who saves me. And again, it just leaped out of me. So I grabbed my guitar, and I was trying to think what, what kind of melody I could put to it, because it, it just seemed to be musical, the way it was broken down. So I grabbed a piece of paper, and wrote the verse down, kind of broke it up, and was trying different fingerings on the guitar. And, I started playing a, an A minor seven chord, and it just seemed like it fit how I was feeling, because at the time I was feeling very disturbed. And, uh, and then I slide up one, and it seemed to just fit. And then I 
more like an anxious feel to it. So I begin to finger pick it fast. And it just seemed to capture exactly how it was feeling right then and there. Then I thought, well, it needs a little ditty note, so I added a note. And I realized I found the melody, and here's the song to you have looked at my soul.
I was in first grade when the teachers came to my parents and said, Mr. and Mrs. Gorilla, by the way, it's Carrillo, your son has got mental brain dysfunction and he's hyperkinesis. Which, when you hear that, my parents looked at each other and thought, do we need to lock our son up somewhere, you know? We don't know it like that anymore. We now know it as attention deficit hyperactivity disorder or ADHD. How many of you have ever been around a hyperactive person before? I'm around myself all the time, so I can't get away from myself. Now, understand, my mom had two extreme children on her hand. My sister is the youngest. She was the dream child. A's and B's, class president, awards on her shelves. The school knew her and loved her. I was the oldest. I was the nightmare child. D's and F, which I thought stood for dandy and fabulous, you know. Notes pinned to the shirt. Principal and I knew each other by first name basis, and the school knew me as well, but they wished they did not. And ADHD for, for me affected four areas of my life. It affected me academically, it affected me socially, it affected me emotionally, and it affected me spiritually. Academically. With ADHD, we are also given learning disabilities. In my learning disabilities, I was dyslexic. I would see letters and numbers backwards. I would even say things backwards. I also had a speech impediment. The only person who understood me was my mother. She was the one with the interpretation for me. So, And besides that, I look at having ADHD. When you don't have learning disabilities, you are like a computer that is hooked up to Wi-Fi, cable, or DSL. You get your information like this. But with disabilities, you are like a computer that's hooked up to dial-up internet. How many remember the dial-up days? You sat there forever. You got mail, you know. And you wait forever to get on the internet. Then if someone sent you a file, like a picture, Remember how long it took to download just one picture? And sometimes if the information was too much for the phone line, what would happen? You would disconnect, and you would get half the picture, and you would have to dial it all over again. Well, when it came to learning, for me, the information was too much for me to process that many times my brain would disconnect, and I would get just half the information downloaded to my brain. So learning for me was really tough. Socially, I was that person that just was the one that just stood out. I didn't really fit in in my social group. One, because I was kind of like in the cosmos half the time, because with ADHD, your mind's constantly thinking. See, the three signs of ADHD is one, our attention span is shorter than the ancient ruler. That's pretty short, isn't it? Two, we are the most hyper people you will meet. You can tie us down to a chair and we'll still be bebopping around or something. We, we just have this motor that just doesn't stop. And three, we're also the most impulsive people you'll find. We act on impulse and we do think about what we're doing. Usually it's when we're in trouble we start thinking about it. So here I am, socially I don't fit in. Emotionally, I am very much years behind my age group. In fact, um, 
I'm 48, I'll be 49 this year, but I actually relate more to people who are in their 30s because emotionally, psychologically, I am years behind my own person, my own age group. And then spiritually, I kept wondering, why did God make me with all these mistakes, with all these challenges? How in the world could he use someone like me for the kingdom? Now, understand, growing up, I was bullied and teased relentlessly for 12 years. From first grade to my 12th grade year, I was reminded by my schoolmates how stupid, worthless, and unwanted I was. Then, how about having teachers not encouraging you, but discouraging you? How about having your music teacher look at you and say, I wouldn't sing if I was you because you don't have what it takes to do it. Don't try. You won't make it. Or your youth pastor, when you tell your youth pastor you feel God's calling you to ministry, and he sits and looks at you and says, you must have heard wrong because you're not ministry material. I don't know about you, but words like that stick to someone like me, but they don't stay up here. They go from here and stick to the heart. And so throughout my 20s and early 30s, I was convinced that I was just a walking mistake, that I had no purpose, that God couldn't use a person with bad grades and, you know, who couldn't read right or couldn't speak right and was socially just awkward. But God is a redeeming God, isn't he? Because he's known for taking people that don't fit the mold of the world and taking them and they fit perfectly for the kingdom. Isn't that something? I mean, look at Peter. Peter and I probably would be buds, you know. So the Lord began to reveal his plan in my life and began to use me in ways I never dreamed of, thought about, or even comprehended. And uh, this song, Fearfully Wonderfully Made, was born out of that experience of learning how the Lord saw me. And what's interesting is my handicap ended up uh, starting a ministry that has touched people now for over 10 years called Fearfully Wonderfully Made, uh, my Christian life of ADHD. And I've been blessed to travel literally all over the world sharing uh, how the Lord has ministered and helped me overcome a lot of the challenges that I had as a child. So this song is called Fear for Them to Me.
you concerned what's going on in Ukraine? And yes, the answer is yes. Uh, we have also a strong Russian population in Latvia. We do border with Russia. The more east you go in Latvia, the more you find the Russian-speaking people living. Uh, Latvia is not really a big country either. It's roughly the size of West Virginia. Population is two million. And it's in the same latitude as Anchorage, Alaska. And so basically, in the winter season, it does get extremely cold. This past year, next slide, please. I was blessed to return to Streaky School. For those who were, remember, last year in 2013, the government came down on the school. Uh, they both complimented the school and criticized it. They complimented because they were impressed. Thank you. 
contrast with those thirty eight years in the prison of jane hathaway so right after august twenty first nineteen ninety one last year was the hearing of the president and this incident has been once again now a shining moment but it was first of three thirty years last year also a month from now we're coming towards the end of it jewish tragedy rock ears most valuable quality tragedy of rock ears tragedy of the food rock is most of jewish food rock is always jewish mine was a line i did most rock ears god bless rock ears god bless father mine may the seed tree be blessed and we will bless it where the lasting god is born where the lasting sun shines let us dance in happiness together in jerusalem would you please give Christopher a big hand
Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11, I'm reading from the New International Version, so it might be different from your version, but I still believe it's God's word, amen? And let's hear what Dr. Luke has to say, inspired by the Holy Spirit. One day, as Jesus was standing by the Lake of Galilee, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the ones belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners and the other boats to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word that never goes out void, that ministers to us, speaks to us. So we ask you would open the eyes of our hearts and open our ears that we may hear and see what you want to reveal to us tonight. Holy Spirit, bring light into the word that we can just see clearly Jesus. We ask this in Jesus' name and everyone says, Amen. Amen. Please be seated. If I was to give a title to tonight's message, it would be Outside the Comfort Zone. Outside the Comfort Zone. How many of you have ever been taken outside your comfort zone? And how many hate being outside your comfort zone? It's, uh, it's pretty scary when you, you leave the comfort of what you know and you're placed outside and you're put into a situation you have no record, no idea, you have no reference in what is going to happen, what to do. So here's Jesus. In verse 1, it says that the people gathered around Jesus to hear the word of God. How we need the word of God today. Amen? It is so sad that many churches now around the world have replaced the word of God and put instead the word of man. But how we need that hunger for God's word. You see, God's word, it's going to do many things if we let it. God's word will first offend us before it mends us. Did you hear that? God's word will first offend you and I before it can mend you and I. How so, you might say. Well, I like this quote that St. Augustine once said. Oh, Lord, I love you. You have wounded my heart with your word, and I fell in love with you. How many know that God's word sometimes cuts to the heart? I've noticed whenever I've read the word of God that sometimes as it jumps out and speaks to my heart, it reveals things in my heart that I don't want it to know. In fact, Hebrews 4.12 says that God's word is living and powerful. 
It is sharper than a sword that cuts both ways. It cuts straight into where the soul and spirit meets, and it divides them. It cuts into the joints and bones. It tells what the heart is thinking about and what it wants to do. I asked earlier, how many of you read the Word of God and you, it just leaps out at you? There are times when I'm reading God's Word and I'm prayerful as and what I'm reading, it, it just leaps out to my heart. Like I said, it's, it's going to offend before it mends. How many of you ever had a friend tell you the truth and you didn't want to hear what they were saying? Years ago, I had a friend tell me that I spoke incorrectly. And I was, I was offended. I remember saying, you're telling me I can't speak correctly? Wait a minute, I at least graduated from high school. You dropped out of ninth grade, you know. And, and so I was really offended that this person was saying that because by that time, I was already doing speaking and traveling and, and I thought, well, what do you know? You know? People can understand me. Until one time I heard myself on tape. This is back when they were using tapes. And I was mortified that I really did not know how to speak correctly. In fact, I would say a lot of words wrong. Program, I used to say program. Wisconsin, I used to say Wisconsin. I would, I would add things to words that weren't there. And so my friend began to help me correct some of the words I was mispronouncing. Now, many years later, I am very grateful for my friend for correcting me because it helps me now as I've been traveling around the world preaching and speaking for the Lord. But back then when I was told that I was speaking incorrectly, I was offended, I was mad, and I almost hated my friend for that moment in time. But now I am grateful. Well, God's word is somewhat the same way. It's going to reveal our hearts. It's going to tell us there's some things that is not right. There are things we need to get, we need to take care of. And how many know that we don't like to always hear the truth when it comes to our hearts? But when God speaks to our hearts, it's not to put us down. It's to build us up. It's to correct. It's to fix what's wrong. In fact, God's word does the following. It will correct us. It will challenge us. God's word will comfort us. God's word will change us. But most of all, God's word will conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. Amen? By the way, I'm an amen or Calvary Chapel kind of guy. So if I sound like a Baptist, oh well, you know. I guess this once was a Baptist church. Oh well, so. But anyway, so, but it's sad now that many churches have replaced this. And now... When you go to churches, you're going to hear more of Oprah Winfrey, Dr. Phil, or the philosophy of man. The sad thing is the words of men can't change your life. The words of men cannot lead you to the Lord. But God's word, it will correct us, it will challenge us, it will comfort us, it will change us, and most of all, it will conform us to, to the Lord Jesus Christ. So imagine this crowd of people just wanting to hear God's word. And the other thing, too, is when Jesus spoke, he spoke with power and with authority and with passion. In fact, Luke would say that his words were filled with grace. Unlike the teachers back then, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, when they spoke, it bored them to tears. Have any of you ever been in a boring service? And I'm not talking here at Carrot Chapel, but, you know, ever been in a boring service where you thought, when is this guy done? 
you know? But when Jesus spoke, people's hearts came alive because he spoke with passion. In fact, he was only fulfilling what the prophet Isaiah wrote. They shall be taught by God. Because remember, Jesus is God in the flesh. So here's the people crowding around Jesus. Now, I went to Israel back in March of 2010, and our tour guide actually took us to the spot where this account probably took place. And he said, picture, if you would, this hillside full of people that are trying to hear Jesus. So, and then here are Peter and his companions washing their nets. Jesus asked Peter if he can get on the boat, push away from the shore, so that when he speaks, his voice will bounce off the water and magnify into the crowd. So he asked us to picture this. So picture this. Jesus comes to Simon, Simon Peter, and asks, can I get into your boat? And Simon says, okay. Now remember, Simon is finishing cleaning his nets. He was out all night working. He didn't catch anything. He's probably tired, but he decides, why not come on board? And Jesus comes on board Simon Peter's boat. Realize that Jesus just now entered Simon Peter's personal space. See, that boat is where is how he makes a living. He's a fisherman. Jesus just now came aboard his life. Have we allowed Jesus to come into our lives, into our homes, into our workplace, into our school? Or do we row to shore every Sunday and every Wednesday and, okay, Jesus, you got one hour, and then by 12 o'clock on Sunday, you got to be done because we, we got to beat the Baptist at the buffet, you know? You know what I'm saying? And then people leave Jesus on the shore. But see, Jesus doesn't want to be on the shores of your life. He wants to be in the boat of your life. He wants to be in your life. So here comes Jesus. He enters in Simon Peter's boat, pushes off, and he begins to teach. Now Luke does not tell us what Jesus is teaching. But let's just say for the sake of the argument that maybe Jesus begins to say, so do not Worry what you need, for your Father in heaven already knows what you need. Now remember, it said that Peter was washing his nets, that him and his companion, they were out all night fishing and caught nothing. You might say they were looking for work but didn't get a job. Maybe right now they're discouraged. And here's Jesus saying, do not worry, your Father already knows what you need. Look at the birds in the air. If he takes care of them, will he not take care of you? Are you not more important than the birds in the air? So seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And I get to see Peter washing the nets. Now, because I have ADHD, I kind of visualize this. Here's Peter, like, yeah, maybe that's good for him up there, but, you know, I didn't get anything last night. I worked and nothing happened. Have you ever been in a church service where you heard the sermon and right away you're thinking of people who needs to hear it? Oh, this would be good for so-and-so. This would be good for so-and-so. Did you realize that that message is also for you too? Not just for so-and-so? So Jesus preaches to the crowd. We don't know how many people are there, but let's say a thousand. Finally, he's done. And I could just see Peter going, great, you're done. We can roll back in and go. And then Jesus does something that throws Peter's off. 
Go back out into the deep, Peter. Throw your net over and get ready for a catch. This will not be the first time the Lord has ever asked someone to do something that doesn't make sense. How many of you have ever heard of two senior citizens leaving everything they own and going far away on a trip? And let's say you ran into them and you asked them where you're from and they say, oh, we're from the land of Uz. Where are you going? We don't know. We're just following God. That would be the answer you would get from Abraham and Sarah. See, when God called them, they didn't even know where they were going. They just packed up and left because God said, let's go. It's time to go. Have you ever felt that God might ask you to do something you thought, no, this can't be from you, Lord, really? Are you sure? I mean, let's take it from this angle. Peter is a fisherman. He knows his trade. Jesus, from a human perspective, is a carpenter. He knows how to make tables and chairs, okay? Peter knows how to fish. And here's a carpenter telling a fisherman, let's go back out and fish, when Peter knows this is not the right time to fish. Sometimes the Lord will ask us to try things or to take a step of faith that humanly doesn't make sense. But I've learned as I've taken a step out and following the Lord that where he guides, he will provide. That when he directs, he knows exactly where he's taking you to. The thing is, we have to be like Peter and say, because you said so, Lord, I will do it. Now, Peter had every right to doubt the Lord. And he even told the Lord, this is crazy. We worked all night and caught nothing, but because you said so, Lord, I'll do it. I remember when the Lord called me to Latvia. I was doing an English Bible camp in the summer of 2010. And this was my third visit to Latvia. And I thought, you know, it's a nice country. It looks a lot like Indiana. And that's it. I'm going back to America. That's all I knew. And as we were driving back to the airport to fly back to America, I was looking out the window and just noticing how green Latvia is during the summertime. It's very beautiful during the summertime. And the Lord brought to memory when he called me from Portland, Oregon to Indiana. And in my mind, I was reliving how I was in the, the back of a van in 1997, August, driving down the freeway, looking out the window and noticing all the cornfields of Indiana and how different it was from Portland, Oregon, where I lived. And how the Lord spoke to my heart and said, you know where I want you at now, don't you? And I knew then that he wanted me to move from Portland, Oregon to Indianapolis, Indiana. So he brought that to my mind as I'm looking out the window of the van of Latvia. And I started laughing to myself, thinking, oh, Lord, is this where you tell me you want me to move to Latvia? Ha, 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 ha. Uh-oh. No, 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 no. Because once I said that, my heart had that squeeze, that check in my heart that I know the answer already. And I remember panicking in the front seat of the car, of, 
thinking, okay, Indiana is still in America, Lord. Latvia is a couple of oceans away, it's far away, and uh, it's a country that speaks a language I don't know. But the Lord was not going to give up on it. He planted Latvia so much in my heart that when I came back to America in the summer, whenever I would have dinner or lunch with friends, the first thing they would ask me is, you're not here, are you? Yes, I'm right in front of you. No, no, no. You're physically here, but you're not here. You're still in Latvia. So I begin to wrestle. Well, is the Lord calling me to Latvia? Why would he call me to Latvia? I mean, I don't think I would fit there, kind of thing. So I begin to pray and wrestle with the Lord, and I said, okay, I'll go back to Latvia, Lord, for three months. I figured three months is great. Serve the Lord in Latvia and then come back to America. So I remember the Lord just began to provide. First I needed was a plane ticket, and I did one concert event, and the church paid for the plane ticket, so I had no excuse. I had to go back. And I figured, okay, well, I'm going to go back in November, and I'll come back in February 2011. Now, what's funny, I would go to Latvia, back to Latvia in the dead of winter. Now, you're talking to an ex-California boy who Snow and I never really went together. So here I am in the dead of winter going to Latvia where it gets really dark fast. In fact, at nighttime in winter, it gets dark at 4.30 in the afternoon. It's, and by 6, it's pitch black. So here I am in Latvia Wondering, what is the Lord going to do? What am I doing? But here's the funny thing. As I kept taking steps of faith, the Lord began to unravel, not unravel, but reveal step by step what he foreordained before I was even born, what he was going to do in my life. One was being a part of Chris Liga's life. Never in my wildest dreams did I ever think that the young kid that would tease me relentlessly would be a son to me or a sister or daughter. I, I never saw it coming. In fact, by February 2011, when it was time for me to go back to America, by that time I knew I could not leave because by that time Christopher and Liga became like my son and daughter. I, I was so much a part of their family life, so much a part of their lives, I knew I cannot leave them. There's no way I can do this to them. They've already went through a, an experience like that before. I can't do that to them. And I quickly just began to call out on the prayer partners and say, I think I need to stay. And I did. And I've been there for four years. We're now going on five. But the thing I want to encourage you about stepping outside the comfort zone, when Peter did obey the Lord and launched out into the deep and he threw his net over, the Lord blessed him beyond what he ever could have conceived or comprehend. I mean, so much that he had to call his friends to help him and they got more than they could comprehend. I mean, their boats were sinking. And finally, Peter looks at Jesus and falls on his knees and says, Get away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. 
And the Lord speaks to them and says, don't worry, don't fear. From now on, you'll be fishers of men. When I began to take a step in Latvia and, and just tell the Lord, here I am, Lord. I'm, I'm rowing out there to this country that I've never been to before and or, you know, been there only three times, but you're asking me to live out there. That's way different than visiting it. He's given me more than I could ever comprehend. In America, I had a lot of nice things. Cars, music awards, big stuff. And gave it all away. Latvia, I have a car that's 20 plus years old, held by God glue and tape, you know. <laughs> I used to have a van here in America, and I finally got a nice car, and then I have to give the car away, to, you know. But in Latvia, I, I cannot compare America to Latvia because God has blessed in ways I can't even tell you. I have much more in Latvia than I had in America, much more opportunities to share the gospel in places I never even dreamed of. But I had to be like Peter and be willing to roll out into the deep and throw my net over. And when I did, I got more than I bargained for. My encouragement tonight in closing, who knows what the Lord is calling you to do? Who knows if the Lord is calling you to missions or to be actively more actively involved here at, at Calvary Chapel? But my encouragement to you is take that step. Be willing to venture into the deep. You won't be sorry. In fact, you'll be amazed what he wants to do in your life. Amen? Let's stand and pray. Next slide, please. By the way, you can stay in touch with me through Facebook or Twitter. You can also find Chris up on Facebook as well. We've been making a lot of new friends. And if you really uh, feel... Um, would like to help us in our ministry, feel free to talk to us outside at the table. Next slide, please. We have resources out there that helps our ministry in Latvia. And uh, I just wanted to personally say, on behalf of my Latvian family, thank you, Calvary Chapel, for the help you've been giving us the last two years, both prayerful, prayer-wise and, and uh, your mission offering, because it really has helped um, in the ministry out in Latvia. New things are happening in Latvia as we are continuing to reach not only Latvia but beyond uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And believe me, without your help, I couldn't do it at all. It, it couldn't, I couldn't feed him, you know, because he's a growing boy and he eats. My grocery bill gone up too, you know. So thank you so much for allowing me to come and give you an update what's been going on. And... Um, Let's just pray and ask the Lord's blessing for tonight. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just ask that you would continue to pour out your blessings here at Calvary Chapel. We just ask you to continue to, to bless the work of this fellowship, Lord, under Pastor Joe and Pastor Paul and the other staff. 
And Lord, we just thank you for the blessing that Calvary Chapel's been to the ministry that's going on in Lafia and for the, my Lafian family, Lord. We thank you so much for for them coming alongside us and reaching people for the gospel, Lord. And thank you for Pastor Paul and his family for the friendship we have with them, Lord. And we just ask you to continue to bless this fellowship. May it continue to be a light here in Janesburg and beyond. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Paul. Um, how do you do, Chris? You did all right? <laughs> I was blessed to have, uh, well, David and, and Chris and, and us and Paul and Nicole have sort of been hanging out for a few days. And I was blessed to have Christoph here today helping me around the church, right? I put you to work. I found a, I found a strong young man and I found a lot of work around here that you could do. So, uh, plus he had his first cheesesteak. Since he's been to the States, he had today. Very interesting. And the other day he had his first donut. I can't believe it took you, took you guys all the way to New Jersey to get a donut into this kid. So anyway, uh, please see, see David and Chris stops uh, at the table after, after we close. David already is closed uh, in prayer, so um, you, you guys are dismissed. God bless.